0: Welcome to 616 Presents. Today's show is all about design. I'm Fernando Ramirez, and I'm sitting here with Catherine Chaplow. Hello, Catherine.
1: Hi, nice to see you, Fernando. Yeah, nice to
0: see you again also.
1: Thank you. So, um, yeah, tell us a
0: little bit about your business. What, what, what is, who is Catherine Chaplow?
1: <laughs> well, we are a small interior design firm here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we are in a space now located at State and Lafayette. Mm -hmm. Very cool building. It is a cool little building. We really (laughs) love it. Um, Great light, and we have parking, Mm -hmm. which is a necessity being near downtown. And we handle a lot of commercial and residential um, interior design. So everything from remodels to new construction of large homes um, to commercial spaces, both hospitality and medical. Um, We haven't done a lot of office spaces, but we have done some. Mm-hmm. And I've been in business for myself now for 13 years wow. and have a staff um, that includes two interior designers, um, Elizabeth Van Vels and Rachel Dean, and also project manager, Melissa Owinga, and an administrative and design oversight um, position, which is Kendra Knoll. She's kind of the boss.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, Thank you. so you do a lot. Um, yeah, I first got turned on to you by uh, the work you did with Conduit Studio. You did uh, you did their offices, mm-hmm. really beautiful work. Thank you. Yeah, very cool, very hip. Um, how, how would you describe your style?
1: It's pretty colorful. So we can handle jobs that are a little more neutral, but I think one of our signatures is use of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too pegged into a particular style as far as modern or traditional. Mm-hmm. Really, I love adapting mm-hmm. to the style of the client and the space, but um, we try to bring a sense of joy to our designs, uh, unique perspective, and um, really into this layer of design, like the layer of the space that kind of mm-hmm. comes after the walls and the flooring and the finishes and the furniture. I'm very... Um, invested in artwork and books and personal objects and that layer that makes it feel, um, owned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're an interior designer. I know a lot of, uh, people, they think they know what interior design, but what, how do you define interior design?
1: Well, it is a practice and I did study. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in design and interior design and, I think some people have a perception of design being more about the decorating or that finishing, only that finishing layer. Mm -hmm. And interior design is really more about um, planning and executing from beginning to end through construction elements, um, understanding how your materials are going to impact the end user, understanding um, human psychology and use of the space, really listening. And harvesting the needs of the space from your clients, uh, there's so much exploration that happens on the front end, and then there's a lot of business in the middle. Mm-hmm. So once you've you know put together your inspiration boards and presented everything, there's still this huge, sometimes you know eighteen to twenty four months on a project, amount of communication, selections, Uh, coordinating, visiting the job site, overseeing installations, inspecting, ordering, tracking. Mm -hmm. It's very comprehensive. So when I studied, I had to learn how a house is built from the foundation up. I had to learn about the history of materials, the science of textiles. Um, Not just drafting, but also really understanding furniture and finishes um, and foundation. So it's, it's pretty comprehensive.
0: And, and there's, uh, you know, a lot of interior designers, they start to bleed over into architecture a little bit, too. Absolutely. You have to have a strong understanding of architecture.
1: Yes, and respect of that, too. Mm-hmm. I think when you work well with others, then your work, it shows in your work. So we partner with a lot of architects and builders, and those relationships make our work better. And likewise, it's a really important exchange.
0: So in the era of HGTV and social media designers and Uh, uh, Pinterest trends, (laughs) and how do you and your team, how do you guys set yourself apart as like trained professionals, as people who went to school for this? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I try not to do too much. um, I don't mind surprising people. Mm -hmm. I don't mind um, getting the job and then having that our strength in service and in professionalism kind of um, just come out in the work. I think it's kind of fun actually Mm -hmm. because people do often have an expectation that things happen more quickly or that the designer might not have as much insight regarding the architecture or the, the flow or the use of the space. And when people aren't expecting it and it comes out, it's a lot more fun. So maybe that's not the best approach, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of my approach is that I just let the work speak for itself. And Mm -hmm. hopefully it's a pleasant surprise, you know. I mean, people know us. Our reputation with builders and architects is based on the fact that we deliver on larger scale projects. So I just don't talk about that very much on the front end. You know, I try to get to know my client, and then when we get involved, hopefully um, they get hooked on the Mm -hmm. fact that um, the process is handled really well. By my team, awesome. and then they want to come back for more. Um, so I hope I answered that.
0: No, you <laughs> did. But, you know, I guess an observation I make because I've done I've done some interior work also mm-hmm. um, is I feel like when you watch those shows or when you see things on social media, one you you kind of touched on that it's a very unrealistic yes. timeline. It's it's those teams are like round the clock. It's tons of money to get that done. You know, it's television. Um, You're right. And I think with social media, what we're seeing is as designers, we're supposed to be interpreting what the client wants. And with that, I feel, I feel especially with like social media and with like Pinterest trends, everyone has the same style. So it's not really a space that reflects who they are.
1: I completely agree with you. I think that's such a good point. I'm so glad you came back to that. Um, What we see a lot with our clients is that they aren't exposed to everything the way we are. Mm -hmm. You know, what could happen in the span of a month is we could have three separate projects with three separate clients who have their own individual aesthetic bring us um, their Pinterest or, you know, email us their Pinterest board or their house account, and I can find similarities or the exact same images in all three. And what that tells me is that, you know, millions, how many other people have that in their portfolio? So what we try to point out to our clients is, if you want something that is unique and individual, yes, this is helpful to get this input, but let's broaden. Let's be open. That's why you came to a designer, so you can choose something unique. I mean, it's really hard, though, because it's like a fire hose of inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to Pinterest or you go to House, all the images individually, they're beautiful. Yeah but it's so rapid and it's so overexposed it's like how do you keep up hmm. how do you keep up you know it's like next month there's another set of images that are everyone's looking at again and hmm. so it's really i think we're so overexposed right now to trends it's kind of like trend burnout yeah and so we, we try to run from that as much as possible. <laughs> run from the
0: trends, right?
1: Run from the trends and really dig into what lights up the client or the project yeah. or the space and um, put that back in front of them, you know, or present that and, and see where that takes us. Yeah. You know, if you authentically just resonate with the lantern that a million other people are using, then we'll use the lantern. But let's just see where else we can go. Yeah.
0: No, I, th- I think that's a great way to... Um combat <laughs> that mm-hmm. you know that that trend monster that that always happens uh and i think you have to you have to try to pull that out of the clients right you have to say okay yes this is timeless but it's also in style right now yeah. will you love this in five years will you love it in 10
1: mm-hmm. um and
0: really you know kind of question them and go back and forth you have to challenge them and i and think it, that's great you're saying that's what you do
1: yes and although you do take risks ourselves.
0: i mean when i see your spaces. Um, I think sometimes you you don't fall into that interior designer trap some do, that it's like okay um, you know what what is it seventy percent neutral,
1: uh, you know twenty
0: percent that yeah I, I don't like, even know
1: that rule, <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're yeah, saying yeah and I think that's definitely just a personality trait mm-hmm. is that I don't like to follow the crowd, and so I definitely preach that to my style team. rebel right yeah a style rebel I like I love. You know, I love a space like this, the space we're in right now, which is experimental and offers unique art and things that you don't see everywhere. That inspires me. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's great. So in Michigan, designers are not required to have a degree or licensing to practice or call themselves interior designers. So do you believe designers should be allowed to practice without having studied interior design?
1: I think there should be a distinction between decor Decorating mm-hmm. and designing an interior. There's definitely a difference. So if someone presents themselves, I mean, in, in Michigan, it is very gray because you can use the same name for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many
0: states. In yeah, many, many states.
1: states. Florida is one of the most, like they, they have some of the most strict regulations mm-hmm. in the in the country. Um, and I mean, there you can be fined for mm-hmm. practicing New yeah. York as well. But in Michigan, you know the legislation hasn't passed that would um, require a professional designer to have the credentials, mm-hmm. basically, and there is ongoing education that's required. there's a, a test um, that is that has to be passed. I mean there you have to keep up with your code and regulation information so it's it's tricky because i I think. There are a lot of people who do a very nice job of decorating and styling spaces. Mm -hmm. It's just a very, you know, making the distinction between decorating and design, I believe it is important, because if someone isn't qualified, and they do land a project, and they're dealing with a commercial space, and they don't understand fire ratings or clearance for accessibility, um, it becomes... You know, of course you have an architect and you have the rest of the team to kind of watch out for that, but it becomes a liability for mm-hmm. everyone, and, um, and it trickles to the public. So you just, and it, what, what it really does ultimately is that can affect the image of, the, of our professional
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, standard. So if you have someone who is able to step into that role and doesn't do a good job and doesn't know what they're doing, then it affects the rest of us.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I agree with you completely. So would you say that distinction would be an interior designer and an interior decorator or interior stylist something
1: Correct. Like that? You nailed it. I mean, you can probably use many names over <laughs> in the more de- decorating, yeah. you know, I, I mean, some people don't want to call themselves a decorator. Stylist is a great word mm-hmm. for it. Um, some people specialize in staging, mm-hmm. but just... An interior designer is distinct.
0: Well, you know, with architecture, there's a lot of licensing, and I think that's what what kind of hurts some of the other um, design fields. Is you know we don't we don't get that distinction that like architects get, and that mm-hmm. that's very difficult because one of the things, whether you're an interior designer or an industrial designer. Or, you know, all these other fields, like you have to understand how something is not going to collapse on somebody. Correct. There's a, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, learning that. So there's a little bit of engineering involved. It's not that we're engineers, but we have an understanding of it. Yes. So when you go into a space, I'm sure you know, I know what not to do to make sure this thing doesn't fall down on anyone.
1: <laughs> yes. And I know what my boundaries. Mm-hmm. I know when I need to say, we need an engineer to take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, i don 't know everything, but but that 's also a part of the professional you know you that 's part of understanding your role is where do you fit into the team
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. so yeah we, I mean we talked a little bit about school like uh, uh, but how do you feel your education and background set you apart as a professional?
1: well, my background I grew up in um, a Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville mm-hmm. and I grew up in just a really creative, near a really, really creative city. Um, And I feel as if now looking back, that had a big impact on how I see things, how I see space, how I um, approach design. Just that sort of, um, I I don't know how to even express it really, but that influence of being in a very creative city where you had music everywhere and... There was also a very, very traditional element. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nashville is considered kind of like the buckle of the Bible belt. And <laughs> so growing up in a really kind of conservative city that also had a very strong creative current um, impacted my view, I think, and my sensibility about design. My education, when I studied interior design, all of, I remember all of my professors, and they were old school. <laughs> and we did a lot of hand drafting. We did a lot of um, historic study. So we studied the history of furniture, the history of interiors, the history of textiles and rugs. And I love that piece of it. I feel as if that is something that I wish we had more of mm-hmm. because that understanding of history to me just brings a richness and a depth. It
0: does. Absolutely,
1: And you understand, like, this is not a new idea. Mm-hmm. When you see something that's trendy, it's like, oh, this was done mm-hmm. at this period in time. And this is, this is the based on something from history. Mm-hmm. So I, I love all of that. Um, I studied at Western Kentucky University. And it's where I met my husband. Um, and then I worked for a couple of ladies that owned a design firm in Nashville. And they were, like, the designing women. They were like the quintessential Southern sisters (laughs) with the interior design firm, driving around, you know, and they're some sort of, they always had a big vehicle that they could cram stuff in. I mean, they were just so cool and threw me right into projects. And so I did a little bit of like trial by fire, learning on the job, but it was really good for me. And they probably made the biggest impact on me, those ladies. Mm -hmm. You know, just that joy, that work with joy, I think I got from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I worked for Clingman's when we moved to Michigan about 22 years ago. So Klingman Furniture.
0: You've been here a while.
1: Been here a while. (laughs) And then I worked for Rock Kaufman on Ionia at Urban House. Mm -hmm. And he's amazing. He's an incredible, he's a self-taught designer. Really good. Did it for years and years and years. Um, oh, he's and, older, right? Uh, well, let's not say he's older for now. <laughs> he might be listening. He's mature. He's more mature than I am. He's more mature. <laughs> but what, what, I, what I meant to say is, a lot of those
0: guys were like that. Even some architects. They didn't. That's right. Go to school. They, they, you know, studied under somebody.
1: For, they studied under yeah. somebody, mm-hmm. and that is exactly. You, you. I mean. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Not to go dip back into that, but yeah. I mean that's part of the, me and you have talked. Before and and part of that was you know the the thing about schools you go through it and at the end you usually have to get internships to learn more you have to and that's what really teaches you and I think a lot of self taught they don't have that
1: yeah exactly and it's it's um, it's so important mm-hmm. it's just so important so I do believe that my education and definitely my experience have made me, you know, a stronger designer and give me the ability to lead a team of, of other people, learning from others. I learn every every project, every day. Mm-hmm. There's so much absolutely. to learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So was there anything in school, though, that, that you really, um, that really inspired you or pushed you? I mean, I know you said you loved history. I mean, I love history, too, but...
1: That, honestly, that, those classes are what resonate like to this day or what resonate with me that and the sound of like we all had T squares mm-hmm. and just the sound of those like T squares landing yeah, on the table click. and the <laughs> scales and people moving their drafting tools mm-hmm. i love that sound mm-hmm. it's so i learned cad in college which is like you know probably like atari now if you <laughs> what i learned then <laughs> i was mm-hmm. doing like the pong version of cad but you know, I just think that the physical work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: still, when I think of college, that is the image and the sound I get that makes me feel inspired about it. Just that everyone sitting together and thinking and doing, you know, it's just the method. It's yeah. really beautiful. But the history is definitely. I miss it and I wish more of our interns mm-hmm. were learning about it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know the, why you're making decisions you do. You have yeah. a deeper understanding of things. It's
1: like, a deeper understanding. Yeah. I think it's a deeper appreciation.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I kind of called you the style rebel earlier, but
1: I love that. <laughs> I want a t-shirt.
0: No, I, I, I like rebellious design. I kind of do it. Like I kind of do that too. I'm like, I like to be a little bit rebellious. In I my see work. that. Uh, but yeah, what, what makes you the style rebel? Like, what, What's your process like? Is, is, uh, it's obviously going to be more unique. So walk us through a little bit. What makes it mm-hmm. unique?
1: Um, well, we definitely ask our clients for inspiration boards, pin boards, their Pinterest collection, their house collection. So we start with that just so we can see what is attracting them. Mm-hmm. And then we try to um, understand. So if we're working on a hotel, for instance, we try to understand the end user. We designed Hotel Walloon up north a few years ago, which is a really cool space, and it was based on this kind of story of the location, which is Walloon Lake Mm -hmm. near Petoskey and Harbor Springs. And so we we kind of built this model of the the user, who's using the space. So understanding who is going to be um, using the space on a daily basis, and every time you look at a space kind of walking them through it in your Mm -hmm. mind is a big part of the process so it's not just about like how it looks but how it functions Mm -hmm. um we're working with a client now and you know they had a plan from their architect and we found out that they have a really incredible shoe collection and it's just now we're shifting the whole closet and master suite design around the shoes (laughs) you know because you you're thinking now okay when i when I walk past this space in the morning, I want it to look clutter-free. When I go into this mm-hmm. space, I want it to feel organized. When I'm, I get dressed and then I get my shoes, what are the adjacent spaces? How do I get from A to B? So I think understanding use is really important, understanding the end user. And then as far as like palette and design, there's usually some catalyst or some image or some thing that the client will either react to when we put in front of them or that we will get incredibly inspired by. It could mm-hmm. be a fabric, could be a rug, a piece of art. And that is usually, it's almost like a magnet. And then what we choose kind of starts to stick or not. Mm-hmm. You know, so putting a space together or putting an entire um, building together, you kind of have this core idea and like what sticks to that. Mm-hmm. Um, this This carpet really works beautifully with. This uh, the original um, mosaic that we chose, you know, mm. or it repels it. So you kind of like, and then you keep building on that. We build, a, we do create a lot of inspiration boards and our inspiration boards include fashion images. They include artwork. They include photos of like um, James Dean or, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg. I don't know. <laughs> like it, it depends on yeah. what we're feeling for that project. So there's a lot of like exploration, I think, both from a practical standpoint and also from a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. And we also, in my office, I try, or in my studio, I try to sit down with my team. We sit down every week, and we try to carve out time for just a creative exercise. Like, let's just take a fashion image and make selections for a space inspired by that. Or oh, that's great. let's talk about... Um, something like a designer from history Mm -hmm. and kind of dissect one of those spaces they designed and why it works and what makes it special. So I think just pushing yourself outside of that really mainstream, constant flow of trends that we have gives us a better kind of like soup to ladle our ideas from. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So maybe that's a little rebellious. I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of other designers who do that, but... I try to just look at other ways of being inspired.
0: Well, I mean, we could call it rebell- rebellious, but I think what it is, and I always preach it, is it's emotional. And I think what I love about interiors, I think is missing sometimes, um, or I shouldn't say missing, but maybe not accepted as easily, is that emotional end of design. And I think with interiors, a lot of it is emotional because you're very close to a client. The way I engage a client on a professional level, is like it's a company. It's like, you know, there's not really much emotional about it. So mm-hmm. I have to bring that in to work mm-hmm. with you. I, I believe, like, probably when you're with a client, you're, you're really trying to read those emotions. Also, just as much as you're trying to hear them, you're trying to kind of feel them. Also, <laughs> that sounds weird. It's so right. Yeah. I
1: love what you're saying. Like, it's giving me goosebumps because it's so right. And even when you're working on a space like, the ball, You know, the ballroom at McKay Tower. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about that, how you but designed. You yes, we designed the ballroom at McKay Tower, and you were talking about an event space that you designed. Mm-hmm. And what you had to do really in your mind is imagine the people using the space, mm-hmm. and they're having this very special day, and they're going to capture it in photographs that they're going to look at 20 or 50 years from now. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, all of that, that is the story. Yeah. And you sometimes you don't get the client telling you that you have to create that story
0: yeah and, and it, it
1: does give you emotion it
0: does give you yeah and, and really that's what design does right we're we're storytellers in a way
1: I love that we're trying
0: to figure out that story and and um yeah because I did a place called the revel it was a small place actually Matt <laughs> Matt was with me lots of times he's seen it all the way through mm-hmm. he wanted to see the process so like I that's how me and him actually became friends um but uh yeah, I mean, I was just trying to visualize that story. You know, what are, what were the photographs going to be? Mm-hmm. What did it look like? And it, it ended up being a really dramatic space, but actually pretty calm. So it, it's interesting working that way. And, but I think what we're both saying is like, you know, that is just emotion. We're we're trying to build that emotion and tell a story.
1: Absolutely, about the
0: space and about the people who were going to occupy that
1: space. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I wish I had said that.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I I, I love hearing it. (laughs) So do you have any specific benchmarks or like measures in place during your uh, creative process?
1: We're very structured in our process as far as like the physical process of it. Like we have an agenda for every meeting. We have a timeline for every project. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a very strict budget process. So there are lots of benchmarks Regarding, I mean, we'll, we'll have kind of, <clears throat> pardon me, we have concept, presentation, um, editing, and finalizing. Then we have sort of execution, and then there's installation. Mm-hmm. So those are like the, the key components, but that might take us, you know, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it depends on how big the project is. Sometimes it takes six months or 12 weeks. If it's a room, each part of that is... You know, we hold to a really high standard. We want to stick to the budget if there's a budget. So we track that the entire project. And if there's something that's required regarding durability or, you know, if there's a a point where we have to make sure things are inspected and to code, then we build that into our process so we're prepared and we're ready with all of our documentation. So there are lots of checks and balances along the way, Mm -hmm. naturally, But I would say probably when we present to someone, there's a lot of work right before that happens. And when we install, there are kind of like three big phases. So there's all the work that happens before you present Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: things get approved. There's all the work that happens once it's approved and you've got to get it all ordered and executed. And then there's, you know, the move that bus day (laughs) when you install everything (laughs) and you hang the art and, and it's like the. Proof is in the pudding mm-hmm. so the end is awesome obviously
0: yeah and you have a really close relationship with art i um, I believe you that used to be on the UICA board right
1: mm-hmm. I volunteered there for a long time and served on the board and love UICA and also really love um the Grand, Grand Rapids Art Museum we've been a sponsor there as well and um hosted our holiday party in, at both spaces mm-hmm. um We started actually with our first holiday company party on Sheldon at the UICA on Mm -hmm. Sheldon when we we could have open flames and (laughs) (laughs) BYOB, you know, Uh it was pretty free over there. But um,
0: It's very different now.
1: We try to promote the Mm -hmm. arts and we Mm -hmm. try to um, bring our clients along when we're... Uh, hosting an event in a space is—it's as much about bringing them into that space mm-hmm. as it is for us to have an event. We try to integrate a really sincere fostering of the local art into our work as much as possible. So we commission local artists. We install a lot of art in our projects, and I think that—I mean—that makes our work so much better. Honestly, mm-hmm. what the artists bring to the space. It just makes the interior so much better. It's like it gives it a soul. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, So without it, our designs would, you know, they would be good, but they wouldn't be as good.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. I get what you mean. Like, I have that same relationship with art, you know? I love Mm -hmm. the way it speaks to a space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it. you can work with affordable artists, like, to commission pieces, or you can even find really great places like light gallery not Absolutely. to plug it but. <laughs> we
1: should plug it it's beautiful it's really beautiful and the artwork is great
0: yeah and it's all you know a lot of it is one-off a lot of it is at least original yes at the least you know so yes yeah it's a it's really good and there's a great city for it so i see why you got into the arts this is mm-hmm. a really good city for art mm-hmm. and for design i mean we're very fortunate
1: we're rich with it yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's great so you're not from Grand Rapids. What, what brought you to Grand Rapids?
1: Well, oh boy. Let's see. So I was born in Miami, but I was raised in Tennessee. And then I met my husband in college and his family moved to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then we got engaged and I moved to Michigan. And then we got married a year after we lived in Michigan. And then we stayed.
0: And stayed. <laughs> so it was always Grand Rapids and Michigan, you always in Michigan. It was Grand- always
1: Grand Rapids. And once we had our sons, Calvin mm-hmm. and Oliver... Well, I mean, we're locals now. So as Mm -hmm. soon as you have children in a city, then you're from there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Mm -hmm.
1: It becomes very permanent. (laughs) Um, So at least for us, it did. It felt like this is our home. And I always thought, oh, we'll go back. We'll go back. And then it just becomes home. And Grand Rapids is such an... It feels like it's very easy to find your people here. Mm -hmm. At least it was for us. And the arts was a big part of that. Um, And it's just, it's just been a really, really good place for us.
0: Well, you know, you have, the, I, I think you have the warmth of, like, that southern hospitality. You know? Oh, thanks.
1: I eat a lot of bacon. You eat
0: a lot of bacon. You're like, that's my roots. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm not, like, you know, Paula Dean in the butter, but I i love cornbread and bacon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I mean, not your to not Paula <laughs> She does love butter. Yeah.
1: She loves, or she did. I don't know if she's still eating but butter. She Like margarine. I don't
0: know. So what made you decide to... Uh, open your own design studio
1: uh, having kids
0: hey, okay you're I never style. thought
1: yeah I never thought I would have my own company I was just like oh I don't want the responsibility I just mm-hmm. want to do the design and who needs that that's mm-hmm. so much work um and then I had Calvin and it's so funny because you know people talk about nesting and what happens to you right before you have a baby and I just had this impulse I was like we have to move everything home I was so pregnant And I called my husband and I was like, get over here with your car. And we're just going to, we had two Volkswagen Passats, like not even a big vehicle. (laughs) We crammed all my files. I was like, I just feel like I have to have everything at home. I was planning on coming back to Uh work part-time at Urban House and we moved it all home. And that night I went into labor, probably from lifting all these files (laughs) and binders, but that night, um, I went into labor, and Calvin arrived. And being a first-time parent, you really don't know until you have a child how you're going to react or what you're going to feel or what you're going to need. And I just knew. I was like, "Mm, uh, I'm going to work from home, and I'm just going to make this work. I'm going to figure it out. And if I don't do it now, I don't know if I'll do it. So I just jumped in. He was like six months old, and I started really slow. I mean, I nursed him for a long time, so I had to time my... (laughs) my meetings really, you know, strategically. And so I, you know, started like just a couple of days a week and I got a babysitter to come in and it was just a really great process. And I, um, have a lot of mothers that work for me now and I love being able to pay that forward, mm-hmm. that opportunity to, um, be a professional, impact people's lives, doing what you're really good at and what you love, where your passion is and still be a good parent. Yeah. I would love that for every parent. Yeah. It's so incredible.
0: Design, like for some of us, design does offer freedom and that's nice, mm-hmm. that is nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I just had my first, uh, not too long ago, I just turned one and, and I was already kind of, I already had like a little studio, but like I doubled down on it and said, okay, well, I got to make more money now (laughs) (laughs) because I have a kid. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I got to take it a little more seriously, you know.
1: You get really focused. Yeah, you do. It Mm -hmm. changes your
0: focus a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we know how you started your company, but how about your past? Like what, what made you want to be a designer?
1: I had no idea that interior design existed when I was a kid coming up. Like I didn't know... My mom was really creative, and we always, like, I had the asymmetrical hair in the (laughs) 80s. You know, my mom encouraged my brother and I to be really um, ourselves and to be creative and express ourselves creatively. So I always loved art-ish. You know, I thought I loved art. Mm -hmm. I still love art, but I thought, oh, maybe I should be an artist because I just knew I was a creative person. You know, I couldn't say that maybe or express it. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't any H T T V when I was mm-hmm. in high school. And this girl who graduated a year ahead of me I came back to visit. And we were all like in, I just remember it very distinctly. Her sitting on the stage, like in the auditorium of the drama class or whatever, and sat talking about what she was studying in college. And she was studying interior design. And it was like this light bulb went off. And I was like, what's that? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, it's, you know, you go in... Um, and actually, you know, design homes and you design restaurants or you design blah, blah, blah. And I, it was just like, what? That That's a thing? Like people do that as a, it just was, I, I don't know why I didn't know about it, but that was the moment when I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, I finished high school. I went straight into, I mean, I still have these hilarious, like, you know, Elmer's glue pasted inspiration boards and (laughs) things that I kind of did on my own at home and I was always rearranging the furniture in our house I was always rearranging the stuff in my room so I always had an appreciation for space and I would pay attention to it even when I was really little my mom was like when you were five you would come in and just be like (laughs) we've got to move the sofa you know and just demand that we move things around And so I think I kind of liked that anyway, but understanding that it was a career and a a path was so freeing because, you know, when you're in college, you're just trying to figure out, what am I going to study? Or when you're in high school, you're just like, what am I going to study in college? So to have a path felt so good, and I loved it. I loved it. Like I said, I had all these really cool old school instructors who had been doing it forever and ever, and I don't think I appreciated enough then how cool they were.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really great. That's good, but that's still pretty young to figure out what you want to do. I mean, at least it was
1: before you hit college. Got lucky. And Thank goodness. sitting here with accountant
0: Andrea. He to
1: be an accountant, or you know, like a miserable artist. Like I was not that artist are miserable. I don't think I would have been good at it. I was thinking I needed to be an artist, but I was. That's I still can't. I'm not a good drawer. Is that a word? I'm not a good I'm not
0: good at drawing. I'm not good at drawing. <laughs> I, think, I don't know, maybe. I
1: can sketch, <laughs> yeah. but when I try to draw or when I try to compose a really good mm. um that's not my skill. I'm a designer. I'm not an artist. And there's a distinction. There is a distinction, yeah.
0: So so if you weren't a designer though, if your path went somewhere else, what would you oh, be? oh
1: I love that question. I would love to teach. I love teaching. I love teaching. Well, you
0: teach your team every day, I'm sure. I
1: teach my team. Mm -hmm. We teach our clients. We teach anyone we're working with. Mm -hmm. You know, the plumber teaches me. Mm -hmm. I teach the tile installer. You know, the carpenter teaches us. We teach the... I mean, it's like everyone's learning. If you have enough um, openness and you don't take your ego, you know, and wear it as a cloak, you know, if you can just be open... It's amazing like how much awesome knowledge there is on a construction site. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so, I love that. Yeah, It's one of the things I love most is going to the construction site and working with these people who do things that I don't get to do and I don't understand 100%. And they just teach me so much. I'm, well, what do you think we should do to finish the edge of this? Mm-hmm. And that I try to ask questions and be really open because... That's what they do. And then I try to teach them in turn and say, Mm -hmm. okay, but this is what we need to do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. So how do I get there?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and Mm -hmm. if you can respect each other mutually, it's amazing. Like what that brings to the project. I I love it. It feels so good.
0: You know, talking about your clients real quick and your team, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, if any of you guys ever talk to Catherine, she will just gush about, her clients and <laughs> she really yeah. loves them. And like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I love that about you. Cause I know a lot of designers who are like, my clients are really annoying. They won't let me do what <laughs> I want. <laughs> like, I love that you, you, you really do have a very close bond with your clients. Yes. And respect, you know, you've earned Absolutely.
1: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're family. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a few stinkers through the years. <laughs> You're like, Whew, glad that's over. But I mean, really it's, It's so relationship-based, like you Mm -hmm. said, and if you have, if you take the time to get to know people and they've come to you, you know, for your talent, I don't know, it's pretty, it's pretty great, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best parts is working with people. It can be most challenging too, you know, but it's honestly so rewarding. It is rewarding. Mm
0: -hmm. And how about your team? You want to give them a shout out?
1: Oh my (laughs) gosh, they're the greatest. (laughs) First of all, they're like the coolest group. They're like the coolest group. They are, they always, they love each other. So they're, they're super supportive of one another. Um, They're very positive. Nobody complains. And they always look so cool. Like they have the best shoes and they're just, they always show up looking, they keep me on my toes. I'm like, okay, I got to get some cool, I got to get some (laughs) of that, whatever that is. Where'd you get that? So they keep me very fresh, I would say, you know? I just, I like how we work together as a team, but they are, uh, they're definitely the reason why I'm able to have a successful business. That's great.
0: I really like that. So last question. Yeah. When you are gone from this world, what, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want that legacy to be that you leave behind?
1: That's a great question. So immediately family comes to my mind and how I have raised my children. hmm is really more important than anything else. So having done a good job of raising good people will be first and foremost. And I always think of Jacqueline Kennedy's quote, Mm -hmm. if you bungle raising your children, nothing else you've done well in life really matters much. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's true. So let's just assume I I do an okay job of raising the kids. (laughs) So then the next thing on my list would really be I think, um having owned a company where my the people who work for me and the people who worked with me really did experience joy and were happy to do their jobs mm-hmm. and made an impact in people's lives in a really positive way like that to me is important. I get a little emotional yeah, thinking about it because it's answer. we leave a lot behind where we go and what we design. It's where people raise their children it's where they get married it's where Perhaps they um, celebrate someone's birth or passing. Mm-hmm. And so you're helping someone create a place for that.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, Catherine.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for
0: being on. It, <laughs> it was, was such really a great. pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'll
0: be looking forward to more talks with you. So. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. We'll, we'll catch you next time.